Hey everyone, welcome back to Harvesting the Truth. I took a little break away from the very cold weather here in the Midwest to go out to Arizona and see my friends. And while there, unfortunately, the weather wasn't ideal. It was raining and overcast. It was a little bit more comfortable than currently where I'm at. But now that I'm back, I'm excited to jump into the podcast today, especially because today's conversation concerns a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, which is nutrition and children. Today, we're speaking with Rebecca Polson. She is a seasoned chef with over a decade of diverse culinary experience, including a focus on revolutionizing school nutrition. She has a passion for crafting wholesome chef-inspired meals for educational institutions, and she serves as a dedicated K-12 culinary trainer and chef consultant. Rebecca's mission is to collaborate with school districts, manufacturers, and nonprofit organizations to champion the introduction of scratch-made nutritious options into school cafeterias nationwide. Rebecca embarked on her culinary journey in 2011 after earning her culinary arts degree from Johnson & Wales University. Additionally, she holds a bachelor's degree in merchandising, textiles, and business from Florida State University. Her culinary career has taken her through various facets of the industry, including working as a line cook at the prestigious James Beard award-winning Burns Steakhouse and leading culinary innovation as a research and development chef for the restaurant chains Beefo Brady's and the Brass Tap. In 2015, Rebecca's dedication to promoting healthy eating led her to join the Culinary Institute of America's Healthy Kids Collaborative, where she remains an active and passionate member, most recently appointed social media chair. She has also made significant contributions to the School Nutrition Association and School Nutrition Magazine, serving as a monthly contributor to the food focus section of the publication. During the pandemic, her engaging unboxing videos and quick recipe tutorials featuring Minneapolis Public Schools meal boxes garnered national attention, showcasing her commitment to innovative school nutrition solutions. In fact, it is Rebecca's active presence on social media where I found her, and I asked her to come speak with us all things school lunches and nutrition. If you'd like to check out her Instagram, she is at ChefRebeccaK12. I am so excited to share my conversation with Chef Rebecca with you today. Now, pull up a chair and let's get started. This is Harvesting the Truth. This podcast will bring you the stories of our food. We'll learn more about how our food is made and what it is made of, along with how it affects our health. My name is Michelle Adams. I'm a lawyer who was a medical litigator for over 20 years, and then I became a food entrepreneur when I turned a passion for baking into a business. But most importantly, I'm a mother and I decided to begin this journey of learning what's in my food for my family. I'm glad to have you on this journey with me. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for having me. 
Of course. I'm so glad that you're here and I'm so excited to talk to you today. I think that our conversation is really going to be very informative to a lot of people and really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I love, you know, what you're covering in your podcast. Um, but school nutrition and school lunch is often, uh, very misinformed to the public. So I'm glad to be here and talk more about it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I loved our conversation the other day and I just think you have so much to offer us when it comes to school nutrition. I know that I learned a lot and I'm just excited to learn even more today. Great. So why don't we get started by you telling us just a little bit about yourself and your background in culinary? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my grandfather is a chef, so it's kind of in my blood. Um, I didn't go to school for it at first, but um, then I just decided it was something that I truly loved and was passionate about. So I went to culinary school at 25 and I took the traditional route and went into fine dining as well as research and development for a uh, restaurant chain. Um, and then I just really didn't feel good about what I was serving to my customers and um, decided to uh, start Googling healthy chef, a nutrition chef and things like that. And I came across a position in school nutrition. And um, I have been working in the K-12 space for the last 10 years. And it's something I am absolutely passionate about and serving uh, real whole foods um, with a culinary uh, culture in their cafeterias. And I really love that. And for myself, I know that I wasn't aware about all the things happening in school nutrition until I found you and talked to you about it. Yeah, there's, um, you know, the National School Lunch Program uh, in every school is mostly understaffed and underfunded and marketing is not our strong suit. So not a lot of people know about all the amazing things happening in the program. Mm -hmm. Now, did you have to do any additional training before going into the nutrition aspect of culinary in schools? Typically, most school districts do have a dietitian on staff um, that went to school for nutrition and I have been um, very lucky to work with some amazing dietitians at the the uh, school districts that I've worked at and for. Um, so I'm always constantly learning from them, um, from our students, what they want to eat, from their parents, uh, more about you know dietary restrictions and things like that. So it is always something new and different and continually learning um, about nutrition. Now, how is it that you work with schools? Do they contact you to consult with them? So I worked in three different school districts, all different sizes. Uh, I started with a school district with 85,000 students, and we were feeding over 100,000 meals a day. Uh, then I worked uh, with a, yeah, a lot of meals, yeah. um, a smaller district with 16 schools and a 16-acre organic farm, which was amazing. And then a, a kind of medium-sized district with 60 schools and about 30,000 students. So I was able to step uh, step away from working in a school district every single day. And now I am a consultant 
Um, so yeah, a lot of school districts, nonprofits, and manufacturers will reach out to me, uh, and I help them with recipe development, culinary training, um, and things like that. So do they contact you because they want to improve the nutrition? Or are they trying to get different uh, recipes in there? You know, what is the reason that the majority of the school districts are contacting you? A lot of them want culinary training and that helps improve the food, obviously. So mm -hmm. um, in uh, once, you know, COVID happened, we had did the huge understaffing issues. Those happened actually pre-COVID. So um, it's just more of an issue that is um, prevalent now. And I think that's anywhere. And um, so you want the people that you do have uh, very well trained um, so that they're more efficient in what they're doing. Also, we have very little limited funding. Uh, so helping cut food costs uh, by being trained um, in efficiency is uh, very helpful. It, you know, allows for more um, funding to go towards the food and things like that. Mm -hmm. So when you work with a school district, are there any guidelines that deal with nutrition in school or school menus or, you know, the type of food that can be served, anything to that effect? Yeah, absolutely. So the National School Lunch Program is a federally funded program. And with that comes all kinds of rules and regulations. So not only do we have nutrition regulations that um, say you have to offer a um, milk protein, the protein can be um, animal-based or plant-based, as well as vegetable, fruit, and grains. And those grains are whole grains. And um, it's mandated for a reimbursable meal uh, to get reimbursed by the government. We have to at least um, have the students take three of those items. And one of them has to be a fruit or vegetable. On top of that, we are um, required to serve uh, subgroups of vegetables. So we're not just putting a um, starchy corn or potato on the tray every day. We have to have dark green, we have to have red orange, um, beans, peas, legumes, uh, and then the starchy or other. So um, we are providing a well-balanced meal um, every single day. That sounds different from the lunches of my day when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Everybody remembers, uh, you know, the lunch they had a very long time ago. We won't put dates on there, but yeah, and, and it's hard to change that. Um, but there are so many passionate uh, people working in the space now that are really trying to change that with the chefs move to school movement, as well as farm to school and supporting their community um, and just serving a uh, less processed and more whole food uh, meal. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited for you to come and talk to us about this, because there are a lot of people like myself who remember the lunches from, you know, 40, 30 years ago. And they weren't like the lunches of today. And so we started to pack our kids' lunches. And some of the packed lunches 
don't even measure up to what you're serving in the school today. Yeah, I um, there are several studies out there that show that school nutrition um, lunches are in fact healthier than most lunches that are coming from home. Again, um, for us to serve a reimbursable meal, we have to meet those uh, nutrition guidelines and regulations. And um, that's calories, saturated fat, and sodium. Those are all regulated. Um, I've obviously walked around a lot of different cafeterias just to see what the kids are eating, um, especially the ones that aren't eating with us in the cafeteria. And you'll see family-sized bags of chips uh, and uh, and That's soda good. pop and, and things yeah. like that. And, that's crazy. There's no place for it in our cafeterias. Right. Yeah. I mean, bringing, a, bringing chips, but just bringing a whole bag, of, like a whole big family size of chips, that's insane. Yeah. Well, tell us, like, when you start working with the school district, how do you decide to either add food or change the menu? Like, what do you, what is your process? Yeah, I love to um, work specifically with schools. Uh, every school is different in their needs and their kitchens might be set up differently. Their serving style might be set up differently and their demographics certainly are going to be different um, from city to city, state to state. So um, I work just individually with schools on meeting their needs and what those are. So I ask for um, their bid list and, and see all the foods that they're currently bringing in and how can we work with those and, you know, make recipes around those items. Kind of much like you open your refrigerator and see what you have and what can I make today. Um, and and then, you know, work with um, and looking at like uh, menu trends the National Restaurant Association puts out a what's hot list every um, every year, and, and you can kind of see what's happening in restaurants. We know that families are eating out uh, more often than ever before, um, and, and so students are being um, introduced to new and different foods, uh, some that are, you know, unfamiliar to us adults. I think uh, when doing taste tests and and things like that, it's often easier to get the kids to try new things. Um, the adults often are, oh no, they won't like that, or mm. and it's because they don't like it or they haven't tried it and are unfamiliar with it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a very uh, specific approach to each individual uh, school and school district. And do you take into consideration? perhaps the geographical area where the school's at, maybe there's a lot of ethnicity in the school, those types of things when you incorporate new food into the menu. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I moved to Minneapolis from South Carolina, very different population. Um, Minneapolis has the largest popu uh, Somali population outside of Somalia. Um, and so that was something I really wanted to learn about and bring to our students. Um, one dish that uh, is kind of familiar to both uh, Somalians as well as Americans and Italians 
is a spaghetti with meat sauce. Now, in Somalia, they add um, warm spices like coriander and cumin and cinnamon, and but it's a very similar dish. Uh, and then it's also served with bananas. So that was something I was able to consult with another chef, uh, a Somali chef here in town. And we kind of worked on developing these recipes that were um, kid-friendly um, and a great one to introduce to um, students in the cafeteria. And, and seeing uh, the Somali kids uh, introduce uh, this food to their neighboring um, classmate and say, this is what I eat at home uh, is really, really fun to see and tell them, you know, take a little bit of banana and eat it with your spaghetti, something mm -hmm. probably uh, not a lot of us would try. But um, seeing that interaction in the cafeterias is really special. And, you know, food brings people together in a way that um, other things don't. And, and you really kind of see that happening in the school cafeteria with uh, new and different dishes, just kids talking about it. Yeah, I really like that because food really is a celebration and it's a time for, you know, you to not just nourish your body, but to be with others and share the dishes. And I can imagine that those kids must have been so excited seeing something that they love on the menu. Yeah, it, it's always really fun to see their reactions. A lot of the times you're not going to start with putting that on the serving line um, just because you do want to introduce the kids to it. You don't want them to go hungry, not knowing something new and different um, being their main meal for the day. So we start with a taste test in the cafeteria and kind of get that conversation and education um, going. So when it does show up on the line, they're like, I know what that is. And I really liked that the last time. So, yeah. So I take it that when you go into the school and you work with them and develop these recipes, you're also training the staff, the, the kitchen team to create these recipes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I develop them um, in my space uh, and then I test them. Then I bring them to uh, the uh, kitchens in the schools and, and work with the staff on um, how to prepare them. Uh, one, to follow a standardized recipe um, and the importance of that, uh, but also knife skills and culinary techniques, cooking techniques, and things like that. So, you know, when you're serving, when you're making 1500 portions of this uh, pasta and you're starting with diced onions, yes, it's very important to know the basics. I always teach knife skills, but we're going to use a food processor or a roboku, something along those lines to cut the onions rather than spend all day dicing onions and, and crying about it literally and figuratively. Yeah. You know, when I was younger and I was growing up and I had a couple of stints like helping out in the kitchen at the school, so helping to serve lunch, they used to ask students to help with that. And the kitchens were very stark. There was just like kind of like reheat and serve. And I was so surprised 
to have my mind changed by looking at some of your social media and seeing how nowadays, like these uh, school kitchens, they've got spices and, you know, all the equipment. It looks just like a restaurant. Absolutely. And I will say some of these school kitchens I've been in are nicer than restaurants. <laughs> I've I've worked in both. I can say that. Uh, yeah, there's spices, but the equipment now, um, there's USDA has equipment grants every year. And so um, schools are able to start changing over the equipment that they've had for a very long time. The heat and serve model was very popular in the 70s, 80s, 90s, probably. Um, but that's really, we're really getting away from that. So mm -hmm. now you'll see ovens, multiple ovens, you'll see uh, tilt skillets, uh, steam kettles, and combi ovens, co which, you know, does dry heat as well as wet with steam. So uh, there's some really amazing equipment in schools um, that allows for this uh, speed scratch or scratch made um, cooking. The other thing I was really shocked to learn about was the whole, when you mentioned the whole farm to school, you know, getting produce or even meat from regenerative farmers, or pr organic produce from different local farmers and incorporating that into the menu. Yeah, absolutely. So probably in the last five years, there's really been a huge push for farm to school and supporting your community. We really saw this throughout the pandemic because of the supply chain issue. And we were able to reach out more to our neighbors. We had more dollars um, to do so and some waivers and things like that for procurement. And we were able to work with farmers to get items that didn't have to travel as far as go or go through as much of the supply chain. Um, so in um, Minneapolis, we really love to work with emerging farmers. So from underserved communities, women, people of color, indigenous, uh, all the things. So not only are you just supporting your community, but you're supporting a traditionally underserved um, community as well. And I really love that because I think that's how it should be, but also the food is more nutrient dense when it's not in commerce. You know, it comes right from the farm. It's traveled a short period of time. It's riper, it's fresher. I really love that model. Yeah. Not only is it nutrient dense, but it, it tastes different. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, your fruit is going to be sweeter. Your vegetables are going to be more crisp. Everything is going to taste uh, fresh and delicious. I was visiting a district in California and um, they had a half of avocado on the serving line to go with the pozole that day. And this avocado was the best avocado I've ever had in my life. It was so creamy and buttery. And then to go with the pozole, it was just fantastic. Oh my God, I would love that. I think I, I would like to eat there. <laughs> we need it right now with this cold weather, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. We're pretty much suffering here in the Midwest. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you were telling me a story and I just really found it fascinating about a chef who was 
growing lettuces in a shipping container. Can you just yeah. tell us about that? Yeah. So this was another visit um, out in California that I went to. Uh, this was in Morgan Hill uh, School District. They are in the Salad Bowl of America. So they have their you know availability of some of the best produce in the country, but they also uh, want to take it into their own hands, literally. And so they have a, a director that is a chef as well um, that worked at Google. His name is Michael Jockner and uh, he ran their plant-based um, restaurant at Google and now is in school food. We need more people like him in it. And he got a shipping container. It's called a freight farm. And he has two of them now. And he's growing five different varieties of lettuce uh, to serve in his schools. And they're serving over 450 pounds of grown lettuce in these freight farms every week in their schools. That's just incredible because this is like a true a story about people taking care of their community and their kids with fresh food. Yeah, absolutely. He has some um, land in the back as well where they're growing a little bit more, but um, also makes it a point to uh, many of the school districts that do have these gardens or farms and things are using it not only to feed their students um, the best quality food, but also teach them about it. Mm -hmm. uh, we we know that kids love to use their hands and um, let them go out and play in the dirt, but let's learn about food at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what about, you talked to us a little bit about uh, fresh produce, but what about meat? I think you've worked with some districts that are actually sourcing meat from regenerative farmers. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a kind of a newer trend uh, happening in school nutrition that um, schools are working with not only produce farmers, but ranchers as well. So here in Minnesota, we are the largest turkey producer in America, and many of the districts that are in Minnesota are working with local turkey farms. And that's really cool to see. And then now we're working more with beef. And uh, so, you know, we still have hot dogs and burgers on the menu because there's a delicate balance between um, what we do serve. But you can feel better about what you're eating and serving because many of those items are coming from ranchers right um, around your um, your city or area. So um, here uh, there are some ranchers um, providing all beef, 100% beef hot dogs, as well as 100% turkey hot dogs uh, to the school districts in the area. They're, they're also um, providing dark meat turkey for like shredded pulled pork, barbecue turkey, um, things like that. And then for obviously holiday meals and things like that. So it's really, really cool to see. Uh, I have some friends in Maine that are doing more of a C to school because they're on that uh, coastline. They have more fresh seafood that 
they can get literally, you know, right off the boat, which is also um, mm -hmm. amazing to see. Mm -hmm. And how does that go over in schools with the kids, the seafood? You know, it does really, really well. It's more, again, about the introduction and the education around it. But if you're in these areas um, like Maine, that's something that they're probably eating regularly at home or in restaurants and seeing a lot of. So they're not as, you know, hesitant about it. But again, the cafeteria needs to be a classroom as well and, and teach our kids about what they're eating and why they're eating it. So and the benefits behind it. Mm hmm. Now, do does that happen mainly through the food or does it is there some supplementary education in, you know, what they're eating and why they're eating it? Uh, well, there's no federal mandate about having uh, nutrition education in the classrooms. This is just kind of something that we have taken on as well and just try to educate with the little amount of time that we have the students in the cafeteria. So sometimes that's as little as 20 minutes. Um, so it's very hard to do, but um, if you check out a lot of uh, school nutrition uh, programs websites, they have kind of their um, farm to school pro uh, program on there and their partners also, um, some other things that they might do with the community, and that includes working with uh, restaurants and chefs to kind of create maybe something regional for their school uh, and, and things like that. So while we might, like I said, might not be the best at marketing ourselves and speaking out loud because we are, you know, feeding 30 million kids a day, then check out websites because there's a lot of information on there as well and social media. Yeah, that is a big number, 30 million. That is a really big number. And it's very impressive what you all do. As far as school districts across America, do most of them, to your knowledge, um, have chefs on staff that are working with the programs for nutrition? So the Chefs Move to School movement really started in around 2010 um, with the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Free Act. Uh, and that is, you know, the act that uh, Michelle Obama really helped um, change the nutrition guidelines and what we were serving in schools and making healthier. Um, from there, that's where the Chefs Move to School movement really came to because um, now you needed less processed food, you needed um, more efficiency in your kitchen, you needed to scratch cook a little bit more, um, and things like that. No, many school districts do not have chefs on staff. Again, I scream from the rooftop. We're having worked in restaurants um, with that my schedule was from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m., uh, and you know, I try to tell as many chefs as possible, like, hey, come to the, uh, leave the dark side, come to the light. Uh, <laughs> we have, you know, nights, holidays, weekends off. Um, and, and you get to feed kids. Like there's really nothing better uh, than that. You can like literally sleep at night knowing you're doing amazing work. 
Yeah, I'm familiar with those hours. My son works in hospitality. So he, I'm very familiar with your hours when you're working in restaurant. And it is, it's really difficult. It's a difficult life. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, there's a lot of um, chefs that are, you know, willing to help and work with uh, school districts, not just consultants like myself, um, but there are uh, you know, community partners that you can reach out to and say, hey, you're a very well-respected chef in this community. Our, our, our students eat at your restaurant. They love this recipe and we'd love to be able to, you know, kind of schoolify that recipe and um, maybe have it featured on our menu. Um, and, and many chefs, of course, will say yes to work with schools as well as kids. Mm -hmm. What happens uh, when you work with a school and there's limited options for sourcing local because of where the school may be, like maybe it's in the desert and they don't have a lot of farms around there. You know, what do you do then? Yeah, that is a issue really all over. And it's not just about where you're located, but it's also about uh, the size of your district, as well as um, the amount of money you have to spend. Now, if your participation is lower, you're not going to have as much funding to then um, reinvest back into your program. So obviously, you want to try to start um, in your own kitchen by starting to increase participation. Again, you can help do that with um, training, marketing, uh, and and things like that, offering um, more options. And then um, you'd be really surprised um, uh, of what rural districts are serving. You know, I work with a school district in New York, very rural, like you can drive an hour without seeing a gas station. And they are putting in an order for beef on Friday. It's being processed on Monday and then delivered to the schools on Wednesday. So sometimes those rural areas actually have a benefit of um, being closer with their community and um, having that support. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's a quick turnaround. That's nice. Yeah. Really, really fresh. So one of the things that I was always concerned about as a mother when, when my kids were in school, they're a little bit older now, but when they were in school, I had a son who was a snacker and no matter, you know, if he ate school lunch or he brought his own lunch, he was always buying extra snacks. Do you see that a lot in uh, working in the kitchens? So a lot of school nutrition programs have gotten away from a la carte programs. Um, really because they want kids uh, and they want to focus on uh, the actual meal that they're serving. They can really um, put their time and effort into, you know, the meal served um, and not worry about snacks and things like that. Now, there are programs that do have them, but what people don't know is that these snacks that are being served in schools have um, have to meet those rules and regulations put by USDA. So um, they are often whole grain or baked. 
Um, there's less sugar, less sodium than the ones that you see in the grocery store. So, you know, USDA has mandated this for our schools because they think it benefits the students and it 100% does. While we do a disservice is where we're serving that same branded item in a grocery store, um, but it has that higher sodium and sugar and calorie content. So they're, they're seeing a difference um, and tasting a difference in the snacks from home versus the snacks at school. If there's a regulation on it, and they're really not that different in, in flavor profile, why are we not just serving and selling that whole grain, less sodium, less sugar product? Yeah, I think it's much better if something comes from a cookie sheet than a than a package. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and um, there are you know schools that they're doing homemade snacks like that, uh, uh, some cookies and things. But again, it's it's usually um, a whole grain flour. Uh, and a better product in the end. Mm -hmm. So since you've been involved with school nutrition for probably the last decade, I think, right? Yeah. What are the some of the biggest changes that you've noticed? Oh man, it's it's been a wild roller coaster of a ride, um, especially through you know the pandemic one great thing that, you know, did happen in the pandemic, I do think that the community saw that and really appreciated school nutrition because we did not shut down and um, did feed our communities in, um, in some of the craziest ways, you know, drive-throughs and tables and meal boxes and all kinds of things. So, you know, there's that. We lived through a pandemic, but really getting away from the processed heat and serve items, I think is really uh, the number one. Again, we've got burgers and hot dogs on those menus, but they are very different than, you know, full of fillers and things like that. They are, you know, 100% beef from the rancher down the road. And same thing with the hot dogs. And, you know, I travel a ton for work and I love to sit in airports and talk to people and of course tell them what I do. And the first thing people always ask me is, do you guys still serve that little rectangle square pizza? <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> I think you even said that was my favorite. Yeah. And and we do, but now the the crust is sometimes homemade, but it's always gonna be whole grain. And then on top of that, the the sauce, the pizza sauce is usually made in house. And it's, you know, a uh, sometimes a turkey or beef pepperoni, uh, not a lot of pork served in schools because um, not a lot of people are eating it or dietary restrictions around it. Um, and we want to be more inclusive of all students. So um, when you have a limited budget and you can't offer all of the things, um, sometimes things like that come off so that you can open up to more other menu items. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember the lunch pizza. And I, what I remember is that when it appeared on the menu and it was like always a set day, no matter what, like if you if you were a regular lunch bringer, 
like you were going to eat the lunch pizza that day because that was what everybody liked. And in fact, I think I saw a recipe circulating somewhere on social media for that lunch pizza from like the seventies. <laughs> I, I didn't try the recipe, but it would be interesting to do so. Yeah. Yeah. It, it pizza day is still a favorite, but again, it's been updated. There are schools that are making their own dough, um, definitely sauces, and then topping it with all different kinds of toppings. So I've seen um, a, a banh mi style. I've seen, you know, buffalo chicken. That's a really hot, trendy menu item, mm-hmm. um, but vegetarian as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's a great way to help with food costs and most schools do have salad bars, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, roasting some of those vegetables on top of a pizza is uh, another great way to get them into students. Mm-hmm. So what is the uh, most popular item that you've noticed in all of your work? Oh, well, I will have to say the, you know, the chicken sandwich is a favorite you know, the breaded chicken sandwich. Um, But uh, I lived in Nashville and I, there's, you know, Nashville hot chicken. um, And I was able to uh, create a recipe that almost mirrored the, um, the most famous restaurant in uh, Nashville, their hot chicken recipe um, and put that on the menu much again a much healthier version not ever being fried baking in the oven um and topped with pickles a little ranch but students loved it they were familiar with it again they've seen it all over town nashville hot chicken now um is just all over nationwide menus but this is a healthier option and again schools are using products so the chicken breasts or typically that would you would be what you see in a um, restaurant now is in schools it's a whole muscle product uh, it's a whole grain breading and it's being baked so again it's it's not this pressed and formed we call them chicken circles it's not that it looks like you know a a, a patty and and uh, it's made with whole muscle and whole grain breading. I love that because there's so much thought that goes into that. You know, everything from the chicken to, you know, sourcing, you know, trying to figure out what the kids are growing up around, you know, and knowing like, yeah, if you live in Nashville, you know, the hot chicken, you mm-hmm. know, and you can't go to Nashville without hearing about hot chicken. <laughs> And just love how much thought goes into the chicken and, you know, how to make that recipe more nutritious for the kids by baking it and adding the pickles and, you know, all that stuff. I really love that. Yeah. Pickles are a super trendy item um, on menus you see everywhere and it's so easy to do. So that's one of the things um, I teach schools Uh, also is how to make their own pickles. Um, And again, it's just so easy. It's uh, very cost effective um, and you can control the ingredients that are in it. 
Um, a lot of school districts are getting away from artificial dyes and preservatives and things like that. Well, with pickles, you just need some vinegar, salt, sugar, and you're good to go. Maybe a little heat source, but yeah, it's uh, another way to get kids to try new things um, and help your food costs. I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm happy because I've noticed a trend like where we kind of got wrapped up in the standard American diet. And I really think it takes teaching kids more about more nutritious foods uh, that will nourish them. And it really does start with them. I mean, well, we have to teach them, but it really will start with them to make these big changes, you know, in their diets. And I love like serving them food that doesn't contain all the bad stuff that we hear about on a daily basis. Yeah, I I worked with um, a couple groups in high school, and it was really interesting to work with them. And I was developing a uh, plant forward project, um, a menu that was three weeks, uh, and it was a, a plant forward um, menu option for this high school that they had requested. So I went into the high school every, I think, Wednesday afternoon and worked with these students. And they um, they kind of helped develop the whole concept. And um, But it was funny in the way, we have to be very careful in the way that we talk to kids about food uh, because health isn't their number one reason mm -hmm. uh, in, in why they wanted this plant forward menu. Uh, it was more about sustainability. So, you know, as older adults, we often are saying we we do this because it's healthier. Mm -hmm. And in, in talking to the kids, they were all about sustainability and planet Earth and and making sure leaving it better than, you know, they found it, um, which was really enlightening uh, to see them care more about the planet mm -hmm. than their health. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Kids aren't thinking about, oh, I might get disease or I might, you know, I might get sick. You know, they're thinking about other things, which include the planet. I love seeing that. I love it. Yeah. And, and you know, by doing farm to school, having a plant forward option on your menu every day, you are able to connect with your students and tell them all of the amazing things that you're you're doing for um, your community as, as well as earth. Yeah. You know, in fact, in my community here, um, I live in Illinois and in our community, we have a lot of celebrations surrounding earth day and the kids get very excited about earth day. You know, they make all kinds of things for earth day. They have all kinds of like different programs and stuff. And I think that this is just a topic that's really important to younger children. Yeah, so that's um, Earth Day is how this plant forward menu came about is the year before um, many school districts do some kind of celebration and usually a, a plant forward recipe for the day um, on Earth Day. Mm -hmm. uh, and these kids were like, we love this. We want more of it. Let's do it. Um, and it took almost a full year because that that uh, pilot was going to be like an Earth Month pilot for the month of April. So, mm -hmm. 
Really like that. Well, Rebecca, you have been so helpful in helping us understand more about what's going on with school lunches. And I think that it's very exciting, uh, all of the changes that are happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, thankfully, USDA has been great with funding uh, this past year or two. And so more changes are coming with more chefs in schools and uh, more, you know, farm to school. If if right now uh, a school district wanted to make some changes and they don't have the funding for a chef, what's the one thing they could do to kind of make a change today? I've learned in school nutrition, you got to start baby steps. So just really small, maybe, you know, start offering more salads or have a salad bar. Um, but also go to your farmer's market and start talking with your farmers, uh, there's a huge disconnect, like I said, um, between the community and schools, or there was, um, it's, it's changing, but that's a great place to start to um, kind of meet your community, see what's growing and what you could bring in to your schools. If someone wants to reach out to you after listening to this program today, where can they find you? Oh, I'm all over social media. I love it. Um, it's I try to change the stigma of school lunch one social media post at a time. Uh, so that's Chef Rebecca K12 on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, my website is www.schoolnutritionchef.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been so enlightening into what, you know, going on with school nutrition and I can't see, wait to see what happens in this next year. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for your listeners to hear all about it. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Harvesting the Truth. I think something really important came out of this episode today, and it's that not all heroes wear capes. Sometimes they are clothed in aprons. And I say that because what Chef Rebecca is doing for school lunches is some very important work. And it's something that all schools need to pay attention to. Chef Rebecca said that she didn't feel good about what she was serving customers in the traditional restaurant sense. So she decided to go into school nutrition. And thankfully that happened because she is making some really big changes with her work. First of all, we learned that the National School Lunch Program is doing some really amazing things right now. It's a federally funded program through the USDA that ensures school children are getting a nutritious meal. And that's important because as Chef Rebecca and I discussed, that doesn't always happen when children bring lunches from home. In fact, she has seen children bring family size potato chip bags as their lunch, which definitely is not healthy. As Chef Rebecca and I discussed, school lunches and school kitchens have definitely changed 
in the last five to 10 years. In fact, a lot of school kitchens now are nicer than restaurants, and they have a lot of equipment to make freshly prepared whole foods. What I really loved hearing about was the whole farm to school movement that's occurring within the last five years. The reason why that is so important is that food that comes from local farms is so much more nutritious than food that is prepared as a reheat and serve model, which is still present in a lot of school districts. Most importantly, it represents a community coming together to serve children the best food. We really need to be concerned about what our children are eating, especially in light of the rise in chronic diseases. I also loved hearing Chef Rebecca remark that the cafeteria needs to be a classroom as well to teach kids what they are eating and why. And the reason for that is because there's no program in most schools that teach kids about nutrition and about food. We need to pay more attention to what we're eating, but we also need to teach our children so that real changes can take place. I recognize that feeding 30 million school children a day can seem like a daunting task. However, I think that Chef Rebecca gives us a lot of hope that there are a lot of communities successfully feeding the children very healthy food. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for a lot of these school districts that are really taking the bull by the horn and making these changes to help the kids. I also hope that this encourages all school districts that this can be done, that there are models to follow, successful models, and that changes can be implemented when you take control and not wait for someone else to do so. If you want to keep up with Chef Rebecca, I'll include her contact information in the show notes. I hope that you learned a lot through today's episode. I know that my eyes have been open to what's going on with school nutrition, and I hope to learn even more this coming year. Thanks so much for tuning in to Harvesting the Truth, and I'll see you next time.